Welcome, hockey fans, to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I am your host, Trasher. Uh, tonight on our panel, we have Bill Berg, Burglar and Bill Jr., Webb Jr., and we have our special interview guest tonight is Jim Hayes. He's with the Hobie Baker Character Awards. Uh, Jim, uh, thanks for being with us, and welcome. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, always love your uh, site website. Uh, we look at it just about every day during the season. Awesome. All right, so would it be fair to say you're uh, the facilitator of the Hobie Baker Award? Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm the facilitator, so about... 15 years ago, uh, I'm from Minnesota, and I have some friends that run the Hobie Foundation, and they asked if I'd help set this up out here in Wisconsin. Um, about in 2003, 03-04, they started this award out in Minnesota, and Wisconsin came on about two years later. We, our first year out here was 05-06. Okay, now tell... Tell us, uh, the, for the people that don't know much about this, what exactly is the Hobie Baker High School Character Award? It's really built uh, upon the Hobie Baker Award, which started in 1981. So they're almost on their 40-year anniversary for the actual Hobie Baker Memorial Award. And then this extension started in 2003, like I told you. Um, started out in Minnesota for the first couple of years, and then they expanded it to, like, the three M's, they call it, right? Massachusetts, Michigan. But we were lucky enough to get Wisconsin up on that first run. And since Wisconsin did so great, they really, the big part of it, they expanded it into the other states. Um, so really what it's all about, it's character. Character makes the game better. We always like to kind of highlight the values that we think uh, we should be looking for uh, with this award. It's uh, coachability, strength of character, integrity, commitment teamwork, big part of that. And then nowadays, boy, when you look at kids and what they have to do in high school and college, uh, it's community leadership and outstanding sportsmanship uh, way beyond just on the rink. So uh, we think it's a fantastic award and something that really you should have further on in your life. Yeah, and I, we, we think the same. Um, so we got your final report. The boys awarded 57 out of 83, which is about 69%. And the girls had an outstanding year, probably their best ever, 23 out of 28 for 82%. Um, I've been looking back at the, the four-year averages, and the girls are way over the top on what they had previously done. Uh, boys are about the same, though. How do we... How do we compare to, like, other states? Yeah, so I usually try to use uh, Minnesota as the guide since they started this thing up. And uh, the last three years, they've averaged about 72%. So we're right on track with how Minnesota does it. Um, I would tell you that I've looked at Michigan, Massachusetts, again, that 3M is what they call it. And we outperform those two states by quite a bit. Um, so I'm really proud of what we've done. Again, I think Wisconsin Prep Hockey gives us the best support in the country. I can tell you that for a fact. I've compared it on different websites. There's no better support in the country than Wisconsin Prep Hockey. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, I know for my part that uh, I've always said that the award looks good on a college application or a job resume, and I truly believe that. Yeah, we've had people, in fact, Michael, that uh, played juniors and then had to apply for colleges. And uh, I had 
in fact, one person called me and tell me that uh, the thing that made it for this young person, and he was, he was applying to Boston College, was the Hobie Character Award. That was the one line that jumped off his resume, and he feels really strongly that that was a piece that got him into that university. Uh, that's awesome. I was kind of hoping to hear a story like that. Um, <laughs> so basically, this is a free award as far as the cost to the schools. Uh, do you guys ever um, to ask the schools and the booster clubs for donations? And if so, do you have like uh, some regular schools that donate? And then are you finding that you have uh, newer ones that are starting to pitch in? Well, we do ask, I think in, in the letters that we send out, Michael, and what you publish, uh, we do kind of ask for a donation. Um, we have sponsors, and, and we have some different people that kind of try to donate year to year. Um, but yeah, we ask for it. Uh, we probably range about a little over $1,200 in the state of Wisconsin. Um, not sure how that averages compared to the rest of the country. Um, do I think we could do more? Maybe a little bit more. We average about 82 awards times $75. So, um, you know, we always ask that we can't force people to do it. We, we love what this award stands for. Um, but uh, anytime we can get any donation, uh, it's a great thing. And I can tell you a personal story. Um, when my daughter was a senior, there were two seniors on her team. And uh, she was heartbroken that they didn't decide to award both seniors with the award. Um, the other senior was well-deserving. She's a great kid, a great person. But Emily was like, she just it, it just made her very sad that she didn't get the Hobie Award. So, you know, from my point of view, my perspective, I can say that is something that, as far as I know, the kids would really love to to have in their uh, on their resume. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I I see what kids have to do and the resumes they have to build these days to get into any kind of university. Um, and even when you look at the teams nowadays in Division Three and Division One, the work they're doing off the ice is amazing. I uh, it blows me away being a person who graduated back in '84. Um, they're doing things all the time in the community, and I think it's just fantastic. All right. Uh, pretty much run out of uh, ideas from my point of view. Guys, you got any additional questions? If not, I must have covered it pretty well then. I think you did. Yeah, and, did. Uh, and, and Jim, you, you, you have to know that uh, once once the, the nominations start in, um, you know, Michael does Trasher does a really good job of of trying to coax coax the coaches into sending in their applications. And there was one day he was he was missing from the podcast, and and we did our best uh, to, to imitate <laughs> Michael uh, coaxing the 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 Please, award. please help us. <laughs> but yeah, there's it's it, it's a great it's a great award. It's a great program. Uh, we're we're real happy to be to be associated, you know, to be, to be part of it. And even if our, even if our only part is, you know, you know, coaxing, coaxing the, the coaches into sending you their submissions, um, we're happy to do our part. Yeah, Bill, I think it's great. You know, sometimes it's just reminders, right? I mean, these coaches are busy. They, some of them have full-time jobs, then come to the rink after that. I mean, it's, it's like, I've gotten a few notes this week after the deadline saying, wow, I just forgot about it. So, I mean, 
it's just constant reminders. Everybody's so much busier these days, it seems like, um, with email and everything else going on. So everything you guys have done has, has I think, really helped. I'm proud of the way Wisconsin responds to this award. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Like you said, you know, you know, some of them have full-time jobs, and the rest of them are just teachers. <laughs> Ooh. I have two of those. I have two of those in my family. We kind of talk the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, Jim. Thank you very much uh, for offering this wonderful award. We know that you're a big part of it. You do a lot of work on your end. Uh, we try to help out as much as we can, and the end result is uh, a bunch of wonderful kids get a, a an award that they deserve that will help them out in the future. So thanks again, and uh, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much, guys, for everything you do. All right. Jim Hayes, facilitator of the Hobie Baker Award, thanks for being with us. Uh, you have a great evening. Have a great night. Thanks. Thank you. And before you send your hate mail, that was just a, a bad joke about the, I mean, I have nothing but respect for teachers. We have teachers um, in our family, and we, we respect what they do and what all the teachers do. It was just a, a cheap shot. So if, if you have any objections, send your email to Trasher at Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I was about to say, what sure. teachers do we have in, in our family? But I remembered your sister's a teacher. Her daughter's a school counselor. Your your niece, my cousin, is a teacher. Her brother's a teacher. So, yes, we do have teachers in our family. I was gonna, uh, my, uh, my immediate thought was, what teachers are in our family? <laughs> I, w- I was wrong. All right. All right, before we go completely off the rails, as MJ would say, let's uh, get to our games of the week. Uh, we got a couple games. Uh, Webb Jr. and Burglar are both reporting from these games. Uh, let's go to the girls' games first. The Metro Lynx at Central Wisconsin. Webb Jr., what do you got for us? Yeah, uh, Burglar and I made the 11-minute trek over to Greenheck Fieldhouse on Saturday uh, in the morning. Game started at noon. Um, and arrived to a packed parking lot, which is sort of an event for a girls hockey game. Uh, but that's not what the parking lot was packed for. The Wausau Antique Show and sale was ta- taking place at Greenheck. Uh, but we decided to go to the hockey game anyway. Uh, the team's uh, fifth-ranked Metro Lynx, top-ranked Storm coming in, uh, played pretty uneventful first nine and a half minutes or so of, of the game. It was um, not really much happening uh, before... Um, uh, Sydney Raths uh, took a, a pass from Rachel Mirwald and came in on basically a one-on-three. And from the, the hash marks, uh, fired a shot low on the ice, uh, snuck inside, uh, just inside the glove side post, uh, past Sydney Weiland, the Storm goalie. And I think that was the uh, Lynx's first shot of the game, uh, happened to be a goal for, for Raths. Um, Raths would strike again just a couple of minutes later um, after some nice... Um, D-to-D passing in the neutral zone sort of sucked all the storm forwards um, and their defensemen over to one side of that big sheet of ice at Greenheck. Um, Lauren Johnson uh, and Grace Bennell were passing the puck back and forth there on the D. Um, they got it up to Raths, who was wide open behind the defense uh, after they all got sucked forward, and she just walked in all alone, making it a quick 2 nothing game for the Lynx. Um, the Lynx... Uh, much to the chagrin of the crowd, would actually extend it to 
three nothing uh, just a minute into the second period. Uh, Eden Gruber went to the box for the storm with a, I believe a slashing penalty 12 seconds into the second period. Um, Mirwald, who had the assist on the uh, the, uh, the first goal, ended up scoring on the power play um, to make it three nothing links. Um, it took about five minutes before the storm came thundering back. Two goals of their own, both of them by Lauren Ellis. The first on the power play. Uh, nice de-passing between Maddie Federici and Chalice Prochaska. Uh, Federici put the shot in on net. Um, the Storm picked up probably their first rebound of the game. Um, and Ellis put it into the back of the net to make it 3-1. Uh, she scored again just uh, a minute, 10 seconds later. She took a nice feed from behind the net from Hannah Bauman and knocked it in all alone on the far side corner. But that was it for the Storm. Uh, the Lynx managed one more power play goal in the third period. And this game was really, as far as the Storm, I think this is the fourth time I've seen them this season, um, really indicative of the way they've played so far this year where they don't do a great job of getting the puck to the net. Um, because if you look at possession time and time in the offensive zone, I think the Storm really commanded most of this game, but uh, two quick rushes and two power plays and the, the Lynx have a, a four to two win out of it. Uh, the Storm, their 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 only real goal scoring in the games I've seen so far this year is throw the puck at the net and hope you get a rebound. Um, there were several times where their forwards made nice moves to get around a defenseman and didn't even manage to get a shot off coming in two on one, three on two. Sometimes you know one on one they'd get around that defenseman and then the puck would just get away. They wouldn't even get a shot off. So um, their offense. I think is is letting them down a little bit in these big games that I've watched them play so far this year. And and um, I but, agree that that has been the 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 offensive strategy of the Storm, um, not just since Pete Susan took over, but even before that, they didn't really have the offensive stars, the 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 Teresa Knutson or the you know, that can dangle through. Their 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 strategy's always been get players in front of the net and then get the puck to the front of the net. And what they're missing this year is that part about getting the puck out there to the front of the net, you know, getting shots on goal and then getting tips, screens, rebounds, and all that kind of stuff. Um, what I was impressed with in this game was um, the, the, the the Metro Lynx there. It seemed to me like, like their, their, their strongest players seem to be like their defenders. And they like to jump up into the rush. They like to handle the puck. And they would pass the puck back and forth, and when they did that, the forwards would be constantly moving, cutting across, uh, cutting across from one side of the ice to the other, trying to open up passing lanes. And um, like Bill said, that that second goal was a perfect example of that of the uh, the Lynx, you know, defense defenders, you know, handling the puck and waiting for something to open up in front of them. And when it did, it was a beautiful pass. Um, from number nine, like yeah, what he said to uh, uh, what was her name here? Nine is Grace Bunnell. Yes, yeah, so the be- goal scorer is Sydney Rass. He just threaded the needle to hit Rass, and she was just like gone. Um, just beautiful passing. Just they did a really nice job of hand- patiently handling the puck, and the forwards constantly moving, trying to get open, and then just attacking that way. It was a fun game to watch. I think 
one of the the things that has hurt the storm this year is they were out without Eden Gruber for the majority of the season. She missed like 16 games. She's only played, I believe, in five. Um, she was a big part of their scoring last year. I mean, she wasn't a, a Teresa Knudsen or Jason Reeves, but, you know, a few kids are. Uh, but she was, uh, you know, 15, 20-goal scorer, I believe, or thereabouts. And uh, to have her missing, you know, three-quarters of the season, that hurts. And I... She's back, but I don't think she's at full speed yet. And you know, maybe no, uh, toward the end I, of the year here. I was I was watching her, and um, she did sail a couple of shots high over the net. Um, nice hard shots, um, but her shifts were still pretty short. She's only I think this was her fourth game of the season. Um, so yeah, she's she's still working her way back. Um, that's not good news for everybody who played close games against the Storm coming in because. You know, by by the time playoffs starts, that that three or four games she's played becomes six or seven. All right, uh, let's go to the boys' game of the week. And uh, burglar went across town to Marathon Park to watch Hudson take on Wasa West. Burglar. Yes, I switched roles. Um, in the first game, the the Central Wisconsin Storm game. Uh, I played the role of photographer while while Bill, you know, watched the game and, and wrote it up and took notes. Uh, in this game, uh, the other son, Bob, came as the photographer, and I got to watch the game and, and take notes and, and write up the story. Um, so if you were to go and look at the pictures of the Central Wisconsin Storm game um, and the Wausau West game, you will see much better pictures <laughs> at the... Uh, Central at the at the Wausau West game, and if you were to read the articles, you read a much better article at the Central Wisconsin Storm game. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yes, Hudson uh, made their first trip across Highway 53 uh, this season. They, they apparently they don't like to come over. Uh, why would you? I mean, um, their conference, uh, the Big Rivers Conference, they go as far as Eau Claire. Uh, Eau Claire North, Eau Claire Memorial, you know, then you got uh, Rice Lake along Highway 53 there. And then for their non-conference games, I mean, you've got a host of schools, you know, Amory, Somerset, New Richmond, all that right over there. And then you cross the border over into Minnesota. You know, hockey is, is it's a school sport. You play on, on school nights, you know, wide drive way over here when you've got all those teams right over there to play. Um, but they came over and... Uh, played Wasa West and it was it was a good game. Uh, they they came out they scored first I think it was probably on their their first shot of the game, uh, shot that was uh, rung off the post. Um, the Wasa goaltender uh, Kyler Bosley I I I don't, it, I was I don't think he saw the shot. Um, he heard it hit the post he didn't see where the rebound came out it was right in front of the net uh, uncharacteristic uncharacteristically there were no Wausau West players there to clear the rebound and uh, Hudson got it and put it in for first goal just a minute 55 into the game um, and they kind of controlled things after that uh, um, they built up their lead or they, they, they scored another uh, West came back made it 2-1 to one, um, in the second period then again what Hudson controlled 
play most of the first and second period. The shots of the shots on goal turned towards Wausau West's favor in the third period, and I think the referees had a little bit to do with that. Um, I was situated behind the Hudson fans, and there were you know certain chance of you know homers and this uh, you know you know how opposing fans tend to view the officials, but yeah, there were like three or four penalties called in rapid succession on on Hudson. Um, you know that that gave Wausau uh, a shot advantage in that third period. But um, Hudson came over and looked good. Um, again, the, there was there were a couple players that just stood out in that game. I mean, one for, for, for Wausau, um, Mark Sippel. He's their captain. We've heard about him. Um, in fact, there was actually a story on the news uh, last week about Mark Sippel on you know National Signing Day, where he actually signed uh, to play football at Michigan Tech. Um, apparently, he's a good football player too. I didn't look up what position he plays, but um, he picked Michigan Tech. Apparently, he had a couple of uh, uh, Big Ten teams looking at him, but he wants to uh, study engineering at Michigan Tech, and good for him. And that's where he's going to go. And the player on Hudson that stood out to me uh, was a defenseman, Max Giblin, who I believe is just a sophomore. And I was talking to uh, my son Bob, who was who was taking pictures, and he doesn't he doesn't really get to watch the game much because he's that's why he's a better photographer than I, well there are a lot of reasons why he's a better photographer than I am, but he's not watching the game; he's just looking for you know picture opportunities. And, you know, so he doesn't really see, you know, who's doing what. And when I mentioned to him, you know, I know this one defenseman from, from Hudson, you know, yeah, number two. And he, was he the guy who was always streaking back and forth? I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, I heard even the, the guys on his team were talking about him. I mean, th- this kid is just fast. He just, I mean, pick up the, behind, pick up the puck behind his net and he is just gone. Um, he's, just, he's just a sophomore uh, I am sure we will be hearing more about him in the next couple of years. But, uh, yeah, those are two guys I, I enjoyed watching in that game. Um, and let's see, it'll be interesting. It looked at it, you know, could possibly be a preview of the Section 1, Division 1 uh, sectional final. Yeah, I think they were playing for that top seed. Um I don't think at this point in the season there was any question that the winner of this game was going to be the top seed in that section. And, and well, there was a lot of discussion about that in, in the stands, too. And, you know, the, the top seed, but does it really matter? Um, the sectional final is set. It's going to be at neutral, neutral ice. It's going to be at Wisconsin Rapids. Um, so you're talking about, you know, the top seed versus the second seed, you get either three or either four. And what is that now? That's uh, Chippewa Falls or um, on Alaska, I think, three and four. If, if, the, if the, the brackets hold, um, does it really matter? Chippewa Falls on Alaska, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty even, you know, so... I don't think 
I mean, like, like Wausau West, did they have they had their goalie rotation? They stuck with that. They didn't do anything special for this game. You know, it's like it's just a game. Well, I think that um, as far as that goes, um, BJ pretty much uh, during the regular season will rotate his goalies, find the hot goalie, and then during playoffs and state, we'll probably stick with them. Uh, one interesting thing that I found about Hudson, um, they've been very, very successful for a long time. Uh, they started the season four and three, but after Christmas, they are 13 and one. So uh, when, you know, you're talking about peaking at the right time, uh, Early February is a good time to be peaking for Wisconsin high school hockey, guys. All right. Let's move on to the next item on our agenda, and that would be my item, the Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg Players O the Week. Uh, The Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg is the state tournament headquarters for Wisconsin prep hockey. Last year was our first year there. Um, apparently, we didn't do anything terrible, so they invited us back, and we really appreciate that. Uh, let's start on the girls' side, and our player of the week is Haley Frank, netminder from Chippewa Falls, Menominee. On Tuesday, she had 35 saves, allowed three goals, and a 3-2 loss to Hudson. On Thursday, 25 saves, Two goals allowed in a 3-2 win over Western Wisconsin in, as Webb Jr. would say, extra innings. Thing in baseball again, catchers and pitchers report on Wednesday, you know. Uh, and on Friday, 39 saves, one goal allowed, 2-1 to one win over Northern Pines, also in OT. Uh, so on the week, 105 shots, 99 saves for a 9.43 save percentage which isn't too darn shabby, and a 189 goals against. So Haley Frank, Chippewa Falls Menominee, is our girls' player of the week. On the boys' side, also a Chippewa Falls player, Isaac Lindstrom, a forward for Chippewa Falls Cardinals. On Tuesday, he scored four times in a 5-3 win over Eau Claire Memorial. And on Saturday, he scored once and had an assist in a 4-3 to win over Hayward. So he was very instrumental in uh, the goal scoring in two close games, and that is what gave him the player of the week nod. Isaac Lindstrom, Chippewa Falls, the boys' player of the week, the Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg player of the week, guys. And, and uh, you know why the Wyndham Garden Inn is the official state tournament headquarters of Wisconsin Prep Hockey. Because they haven't banned you yet? That and their location, uh, just off whatever road it is that goes by there, um, right by the Great Dane uh, there in Fitchburg, a wonderful location, close to the rink. If, if, if you're looking for a place to stay in the Madison area for the state tournament, you couldn't do better than the Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg. And when I was putting together the uh, the show notes, I noticed, you know, Mr. Isaac Lidstrom, 47 points for Chippewa Falls this year. His line partner, Isaac Frenette, also has 47 points this year. So two so Isaacs the, there for Chippewa Falls at 47 points each. The yeah. Ike line is going crazy. 
Yes. All right. Uh, that brings us to the top sixes, or as we sometimes call it, the top 18. Uh, I prefer the top 4.24 squared. I prefer the six-packs, <laughs> but that's because I have a problem. All right. Just like the Big Ten is actually the Big 12, uh, we have the top sixes, or 14, whatever it is. Uh, Webb Jr., go for it. It's all yours. Sure. Uh in the girls, uh, Eau Claire Area Stars move up to number one. Madison Metro Lynx are second. And the Central Wisconsin Storm dropped all the way to third. Cap City Cougars are fourth. fourth. The St. Croix Valley Fusion are fifth. And the Fox City Stars are sixth. As of the last update I had, the top-ranked Stars and third-ranked Storm are currently in a 2-1 to game in the third period, uh, with the Stars currently leading. Uh, Division 2, Fond du Lac Springs is number 1, Northland Pines is number 2, Hayward is 3rd, Wapan is 4th, Wanakee is 5th, and McFarland is 6th. I believe that is a repeat of last week. And in Division 1, Notre Dame Academy is 1st, Hudson moves up to 2nd, Arrowhead moves up to 3rd, Wausau West drops down to 4th, Verona is 5th, University School is 6th, and Chippewa Falls is an honorable mention. All right. Uh, it's, I mean... You know, the top sixes have been fairly stable throughout the year. You know, there's been a little movement up and down in all, all three. But um, it just seems kind of, uh, I don't know, about odd or funny or strange that there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, teams outside the top six infiltrating into that space of the, the top half dozen teams. Well, on the, on the, girl, the girls' side has been a little more volatile than the boys have been. There's, there, I mean, there are those six that constantly seem to be beating each other, and there are a couple other teams just outside of the top six that have also, you know, done their share of beating um, those top teams. And uh, I don't know if we normally would have gotten into it because the the – sectional seating was just announced yesterday, and I don't know if we're going to think we are going to cover that at all tonight, but um, well, let's finish up this first, then we can talk about that later. I think one of the unintended consequences of moving to a top six from a top ten is that the the top half of our top tens in the past saw less movement than the bottom half did. Coaches and the whip staff, we were all more sure of those first four to six teams on the rankings. Like, you know, you might have had them in a different order, but pretty much all the voters had that same group of teams. And by switching from 10 to 4, it's those positions that people were questioning that sort of got eliminated from the bracket. So now we see less change in the bracket week to week. And there are times where, um, you know, you know, it doesn't matter how many vote, coaches vote, we seem to get the same six teams just in a different configuration across all the ballots. So I don't know if that's something we'll want to look at later or not, but um, it is happening. And on, on something of note is that the only um, section or division that we actually have a, an honorable mention is D1 Boys because there is – 51 teams uh, versus uh, 32 and 28 on the, the D2 and the girls side. So uh, no honorable mentions for the girls or D2. Um, the D1 honorable mentions for anybody that, that gets votes. So uh, you can see that there's uh, seven teams in D1 that got votes this week. 
And uh, Chip Falls, I mean, with uh, Lindstrom, um, got up there, and uh, so their honorable mention. All right, so upcoming games of the week uh, on the boys' side on Friday will be West Salem at Wisconsin Rapids, and the storyline there kind of is a return, not the return, of former Rapids star Eric Borey coaching West Salem to uh, Wisconsin Rapids. Uh, there's a, a four-team tournament. Monona Grove and Fond du Lac are also involved in that. I will cover that game. And uh, Burglar will go up to Antigo and cover the Chippewa Falls Menominee at Northern Edge game. So those will be our games of the week for this week. All right, gentlemen, uh, we're to the final thoughts section. Uh, Webb Jr. and I kind of, well, I texted him and wondered if we should maybe touch on the uh, the seedings a little bit in the brackets. Uh, you guys up for that? I think we have to, I mean, I don't think we have to go full in depth like we, uh, we should probably do something for that next week, but we should at least mention it. All right. Uh I don't know. One of you guys have probably been more into this than I have. I actually had to work today. You guys were working from home, uh, so it's like uh, it's like that full time job thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it kind of sucks. Yeah. And my yeah, boss found no, no, yeah, it I got, when I, got I start full time job, but I still managed to get the 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 sectional brackets up there somehow miraculously. Yeah, unfortunately, my boss is at in my desk half the time looking over my shoulder, and when he sees WIPH up, he's not too happy. So uh, why don't you guys lead on this one? You've uh, looked into it a little bo- bit more than I have, and I can kind of uh, pitch in where I can. Well, the, the first thing I want to do is, you know, reinforce our displeasure with the WIAA's process, because as I'm putting in, as I'm entering the brackets, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating each bracket. For each of the girls' brackets, okay, seven teams. Each one, seven teams. Division two boys, eight teams. Division one boys, either 12 or 13 teams. Yet, each one only has one representative at the state tournament. Um, when the, the, the Wisconsin High School Hockey Coaches Association went to the WIA with this proposal for a second division, it was to get more teams at the state tournament, not just to have different teams at the state tournament. I mean, seven teams per bracket, eight teams per bracket, and 12 or 13 teams per bracket something's not right in that scenario. Wasn't 12 and 13 the number that they had before they switched to two divisions? No, I think it was more like 10 or 11. And there might have been an occasional 12. They uh, they all kind of flip-flopped so the, a little bit. At, the at, brackets, at, at the time, brackets are at, bigger, at, making at it even harder it to get in. At one time yeah. it was like 12 or 13. Yeah, I think Last year was like 84, 85, or 86 teams. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, whatever. But there, 
I don't know. Mathematically, it is harder for a D1 team to get to the state tournament now than it was before. Yes. And that, that, that was not the intention of the Hockey Coaches Association. They wanted to create opportunities for the smaller schools. They didn't necessarily want to limit opportunities for the larger schools. Right, and I think the uh, the original thought was eight and four. Yes. D one versus D two. Yes. And actually, well, that's the, the thought e- that makes sense. Yes, and the the email or text that I saw said, "Yeah, it's going to be eight and four, and then. Like half an hour later, it said, oh, no, it's going to be four and four. And I'm like, well, we really didn't gain anything. We just changed the composition of the state tournament. I mean, it'll it'll allow some teams that haven't played there or haven't played there very frequently to get in. But now your teams in the D1 division are kind of screwed because there's, I mean, was it uh, – um, sectional one, basically there's probably five teams that legitimately could make state tournament. Only one of them is going to make it this year. Yeah, I mean, in that in that section, more often than not, Wausau West, Hudson, Eau Claire Memorial, Spash, and Onalaska are state tournament challengers. Uh, D.C. Everest made it just a couple years ago, um, so they're there. Eau Claire North made it. Uh, just last year, I think. Uh, so they're, you know, in there again. That's, I mean, you're looking seven teams deep now at teams that have been, at the very least, sectional finalists in the last couple of years. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, wait. No, I, I'm just, that those four that you named, I mean, did, did we not have a state tournament recently that had Wausau West, Oakland Memorial, Hudson, and Onalaska all in the same state tournament? I assume we did. Because um, Onalaska made it. It wasn't that many years ago. And it was either Hudson or Superior and probably Oakland Memorial and probably Wausau West. So that's like half of the state tournament from, let's say, four or five years ago. Half of the state tournament is now in one section. It's better now. Why? Why? For the simple reason that it pisses you off, that's why it's better. Sorry, Bill, just kidding. Yeah. You know I love you. We did yeah, I don't get it. That. I don't get no, it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I mean, we well, let's just touch on the the top seeds for now. Um, on the girls, Section One, Eau Claire Area Stars; Section Two, Central Wisconsin Storm; Section Three, Metro Lynx; Section Four, Rock County Fury. I mean, there's no argument there. I, I, you know, if it, all of those four teams made it to state, that would make for a good state tournament, right, guys? I would hope so. If all the number one seeds make it to the tournament. I guess my point is there's no weak sisters in in that group, for sure. No, no, those are all strong teams. They've, they've all received top six votes. Um, the Fury, I don't think, have cracked it more than once. Um, but they've, I know I've seen votes uh, for the Fury. I know they've they've beaten, I think they beat the Lynx at some point. All right, and uh, Boys Division 1, since I'm going down the list here, 
uh, Section 1, Hudson, Section 2, Notre Dame, Section 3, Verona, Section 4, the only undefeated team, that means no losses, they have a couple ties, Arrowhead. Uh, I mean, still a pretty good representation of teams here. I mean, not to say that they're going to be the four that go, but um, four pretty strong teams. Yep, four strong teams. And coming into this season, I had questions about Section 4. Because Arrowhead is never a bad team, but they're not always a great team. Uh, So I didn't know if there was, because we knew coming in USM was going to be great this year. Um, we knew who was coming back. We knew they were going to be an excellent team again this year. We didn't know that Arrowhead was, and I was worried coming in that that USM was not going to have a lot of challenge in that section. But uh, Arrowhead Arrowhead stepped up. Yeah, and got the number one seed. So yeah, USM they're going to have their yeah. That's going to be a good section. Yeah, USM has had their struggles this year. They came in as the the state champion. Um, they're ranked number one coming into the preseason. Uh, Ethan Mann, I think, has been a, a huge problem because he is out, you know, all year f- with an injury, and uh, that's a big part of their scoring, you know. And uh, I think that's hurt them a little bit. They've still been a very solid team, and I think they, you know, they definitely want to uh, defend their title. So uh, Arrowhead. Um, Probably not over yet, right, guys? Well, yeah, and even, like, Section 3, I mean, Verona, the clear favorite. They've been in our, our top six. But, I mean, Madison Edgewood, Sun Prairie, and Sock Prairie, I mean, those are all strong teams that, you know, on you know under the right circumstances, I can see any of, that, any of them, uh, you know, challenging there also. All right, let's go to uh, Boys Division 2, number one seeds we're talking about here. Section 1, Amory. Section 2, Northam Pines. Section 3, Baldwin-Woodville. And Section 4, St. Mary Springs. Um, I think we would probably all agree that uh, the Pines Eagles and uh, St. Mary Springs Ledgers are probably the two favorite teams among this foursome. Uh, Amory's been in our, our top six throughout the year. Baldwin Woodville uh, kind of sneaking up. They've had some success in the past. Uh, any surprise that they're the number one seed in Section 3, Burglar? Not, not when you look at the other teams in that section, no. That's, that's the, uh, in the, 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 the previous bracket that was Section 4, um, you know, that uh, Mattis Memorial under Vic Levine used to own, and then you know he he transferred his title to to Wisconsin Rapids, and when they lost it, it just kind of became a toss up there. But that was there always seems to be one sectional that doesn't have that 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 clear cut favorite in it, and that's the one this year. But the the thing that stands out to me is you know when we when we looked at the, at the beginning of the season with the two divisions, and you know Superior just let the chips fall where they may, and you know, Superior ends up in Division Two, and they end up another as the third seeded team in Division Two, Section One. So they're not even the 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 favorite to come out of that section in Division Two. Yeah, if you look at just the the record, and I mean, you can throw Superior's record out the window. 
because I mean, I think one year they won the state title, they finished thirteen and thirteen. So throw their their record out the window because they play a lot of tough Minnesota teams. And uh but this year, I mean, it's not it's not a great record, you know, and I'm sure uh they they would be the first to, to claim that. Uh so for them to be a, a three seed, um yeah, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but the one that I see as kind of a surprise is in uh, Boys Division One, Section One, Perennial Powerhouses, uh, Wisconsin Rapids and Stevens Point. Well, Rapids not so much this year, the last couple of years, but uh, they have been uh, near the top of the heap in the, the Valley Conference. Are eight and nine seeds this year in uh, their they're sectional one, so... Uh, Spash that, is schizophrenic. Um, I have no idea what is going on with that team. They took three straight losses earlier in the season in to teams that you would not expect Spash to take three straight losses to. Um, I can get that back up. I believe it was Mosinee, Wapan, and D.C. Everest. Yes, just not in that order. Uh, took three straight losses, then they went and beat Northland Pines. Um so, like, okay, maybe that was just a blip. Um, and then they play uh, a game against Notre Dame Academy where Notre Dame didn't get the go-ahead goal until there was, like, two minutes left in the game. It ended up being 6-4 with an empty netter. Um, and then, you know, 5-2 against a Verona team that's in the top six. But, I don't know, Spash is all over the place uh, this year. I think they're hard to predict. I don't know. Uh, Burglar and I were talking about this. They might be a young team, which does explain some of that. Uh, I haven't looked at their roster uh, since we had that conversation, but yeah, they're just all over the place this year. Very inconsistent. And and I don't mean to pile on Superior because um, obviously I am I, I am a loyal uh, you know graduate of Superior Senior High School, uh, class of '76. Um, but uh, you you can't just throw out their record because they play a lot of tough Minnesota schools because it, quite frankly. The tougher Minnesota schools aren't on their rec aren't on their schedule anymore. They do play Hermantown. They they, they play uh, Duluth East. Uh, I think tomorrow, um, but they have uh, they have losses to Eau Claire Memorial. They have losses to Hudson. Uh, they got beat by Chippewa Falls. They got or no, they beat in Richmond. Uh, they got beat by Wasau West. They got beat by Eau Claire Memorial again. They lost to Stevens Point. Um, they tied Baldwin Woodville, who I just disparaged a few minutes ago. Um, they they lost to Hudson seven to one. They lost they lost to Pines uh, last week eight to one. They lost to Hayward three to nothing. So you can't just you know dis discount their record because they play more than half their games now against Wisconsin teams and have not fared all that well. And I looked this up the other day because I was interested. I look this up every few years. Um, I looked at the ranked teams in Division One and Division Two in Minnesota, and to date they had like four games against Wisconsin total. Zero for the Division One Minnesota teams and four for the Division Two teams. Um, so, like, if you're looking at the top end Minnesota teams, they're not. They didn't play Wisconsin this year, so you can't just automatically throw them out because. Looking at the the rankings and the records and the head to head over the last several years, what is Wisconsin's Division One compares favorably to Minnesota's Division Two. 
uh, our top end and their top end in D2, they compare favorably. We don't have teams, I don't think so, that would do well in Minnesota's D1 state tournament. Uh, you feel free to disagree with me. I think we have players who could play in the Minnesota D1 state tournament, uh, but we don't have teams that could do well, it. Well, no, I mean, um, well, the whole Minnesota thing devolved uh, a long time ago when, I mean, they, they went to a true open enrollment. Um, Wisconsin has limited open enrollment where you can't transfer. If you transfer to a different school, you have to, you know, Minnesota has true open enrollment, and um, like the reason that Duluth East is always a top, uh, one of the top teams in Minnesota, is not because the east side of Duluth has this great right. hotbed of hockey players. It's just like if you're a good hockey player, you end up going to school at Duluth East. I mean, it's um, call it yeah. recruiting, call it, call it you know trying to gain exposure for your your kid um the top programs in minnesota tend to stay the top programs um they either attract or recruit the top players you know so it it, it stays that way and And i do have that that even that even crept down into what the so-called division two like in 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 the Duluth area hermantown Uh, dominates well, Hermantown, had they taken over for Duluth Marshall? It was Duluth yeah. Marshall for a long time. Hermantown's okay. done really well the apparently last several years. in Division Two. So apparently now they've gone from probably cheaper to go to Duluth Marshall than, you know, or Hermantown, that's a public school, than Duluth Marshall. you got to pay your private school thing. So, yes. Yeah, I've, I've driven through Hermantown enough to know that there's not enough people in that town to field a hockey team with people that live there. <laughs> I mean, it's on the way up to Grandma's house. It's not a big town, so they've got to be coming. <laughs> no, I mean, home. they they have they have the mall and they have the airbase and stuff, but you know, neither one of those you know produces hockey players. So right. yes, it's in, yeah yeah you, you establish your program, you attract the players. So and I it, I it's do not have the same. I do have some breaking news. If you want to revote on the girls' top ten, uh, the Central Wisconsin Storm, who cannot score goals. Uh, are currently up five to two on the Eau Claire area stars. No, we we just we we earlier said oh they they don't do that. Yeah, they were um, down two to one going into the third period. And suddenly it's five to two. I don't know what happened, but I'm guessing kept... that Eau Claire uh, prematurely pulled their goalie to, for an extra attacker, and uh, Central Wisconsin uh, made some long you know empty net shots from their own zone. So I have that. Okay, I have a, a question because I believe this uh, in Minnesota. I'm talking about now. Um, eighth graders can play on a varsity team. Is that correct, or is that just in certain sports? Because I, I, be- I believe in girls hockey, eighth graders can play on varsity. So. Uh, girls can actually play five years on a varsity team. Uh, just wondering if that's true on the boys' side, and if you have, uh, you know, a, a phenom, so to speak, does that is that kind of an advantage over Wisconsin, where they can only play four years on the varsity team? 
I, I don't think that's I don't think that's a significant thing where that's going to be an advantage one way or another. Isn't an eighth grader like a first year bantam? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I I mean I've seen stories where they talk about oh they made the varsity as an eighth grader and I mean is that actually an advantage? You know that the this young fourteen year old or thirteen year old is now playing against seventeen and eighteen year olds. I mean, does it help their development or you know because they well, always say it's gonna it's gonna depend on the kid. It can go either way. Some kids thrive under that kind of pressure and that kind of exposure, and some kids crumble. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You know, the common theory is that. Oh, if you play against against uh, better competition, you're going to become a better player. So, guess it just depends. All right, gentlemen. Um, I think that's about all we got tonight. Uh, God knows we've blathered on long enough. Uh, hopefully, uh, we still dig us. We try our best. Um, even though without MJ and Dell tonight, they're off on. Special assignment. Hopefully, MJ is. Uh, Hopefully, his special assignment will end soon. Special well, assignment. MJ, will... Is, MJ is throwing a wild party for the the Janesville Bluebirds hockey team because they're, they're like breaking the TV in his house. And... Apparently, they're they're trashing his family room. Yes. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, parents of the players, uh, feel free to pitch in to help MJ get a new TV. There'll be a um, GoFundMe link in the show notes. Yeah, there, there very well might be. All right. Uh, so you can subscribe to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can also watch us record the show live on YouTube. Although I don't uh, know why you would want to. Well, I mean, we try. You know, one day we'll become rich and, and famous. And whatever those, or, those fools from Fond du Lac did last week. Or maybe not. So, speaking for Burglar, the founder of Wisconsin Prep Hockey, Webb Jr., the scion of the founder of Wisconsin Prep Hockey, and co-founder Trasher, we bid you a good night and thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. Catch us next week again on Wisconsin Prep Hockey.